You remember maybe, I don't know, three episodes ago, we said, hey, we just set up a, a set of principles for the studio. Yes. And then we left a cliffhanger where we were going to reveal. Oh my God, how many people are still hanging on that cliff? <laughs> <laughs> Some principles. <laughs> Their hands are fatigued. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 147 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the lever of unanswered Stack Overflow questions. I'm Sam and I'm the Clone Army Director. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April Toothy. 2018. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen in this show, there's going to be profanity. So if there's a child around, throw him out the window. <laughs> Was that April Toothy or April Toothy? April Toothy. Okay. It's, okay. the, it's the day of the dentist, as mm, they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do say that. All right. Well, let's get on to some news, gentlemen. I mean, happy dentist day, though, everybody. Yeah. Happy dentist day. It's going to hurt. You can get stabbed in the teeth a lot. Yeah, they go... Now, make sure you don't clench your teeth. Make sure you don't, like, take any, you know, sharp or horrible objects and put them in your mouth. Now, if you quickly open your mouth, we got to clean it with a ice pick. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's, for some reason, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And then the suck tube is going to get the blood out of there real fast. You got to just know? suck that blood right out. Because <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a gusher. All right. Crashlands. Beta. It is now on iOS. That's chugging along. Mm-hmm. We had some... Some crashes. Yeah. Well, so it's funny because we have we have our own little device that we tested on in the studio. A little iPad Mini 2. And the reason it's an iPad Mini 2 is because we wanted a really not powerful one. Right? This is an old we always device. Buy, we always buy weak devices because we are cheap, but also because yes. it makes for good good testing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because the theory is if it works on this, it'll work on everything. It'll work on whatever. So it worked on that. So it should have worked on everything. It turned out <laughs> it didn't. Uh, it crashed on basically everybody's device um, who it, had Played the game before. I yeah, can't the, exactly the kicker what... was it was a fresh install on the iPad Mini 2, so there was no sort of old game residue mm. lying around. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing clogging up the works. Nothing clogging up the game tubes. And the problem is, you know, on the on on existing players' devices, they already had Crashlands. They got the beta. Something in there got in the tubes, mm-hmm. got stuck, and then it couldn't load. Then. The, bur- the pipes burst. Mm-hmm. Had, this some, like, had some plaque in between the teeth or something. Yeah, we had to get an ice pick in there. So Sure yeah. spent his weekend so sure got out, got out his pick. Uh-huh. And now the blood all over the yeah, place. Yeah, the thing is the game was bleeding a lot over the weekend, but I think maybe we got it all sucked up. As of yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then cause sort of conveniently, uh, you, have to, you have to go through iTunes in order to ap- approve your beta stuff, right? Yeah. So we can't just patch it directly. We have to wait a little bit. And conveniently, uh, iTunes went down for maintenance on Saturday. So we had so a Saturday 12 morning, hour. <laughs> Saturday morning, everybody's like, the game's crashing. We're like, no problem. Get that patched and then can't. can't and then do. wait for 12 yep. hours. So, so it's pretty entertaining, a little little stressful. But I think it's really good. Another really good example of why you do beta tests. Because yep, if we would have. You, you got to do it. We were like, oh, this works great. If we would have just kicked that out, uh, yeah, it'd be a real like, bad this is week. great patch for our existing mm-hmm. player base? No, because none of them can play because it, it crashes now. <laughs> yeah. Although, had we just had Sam test it in-house, I'm sure we would have found it. It is true. I, last week, I finished up our new contact system for the new website. Adam's like, I was looking like, all Sam, proud. Sam, I need you just to like play with this a bit. And just you, know, you got a little bit of feedback. I was thinking some cosmetic changes, you mm-hmm. know. 
And then literally it was just like, he just starts it. He just like goes to the page <laughs> and he's like, oh, this doesn't work. And I'm like, what the, f-? and then he goes to the next page. He's like, oh yeah, this is broken. And then he just like finds <laughs> 800 fucking completely broken things. And some of them I was looking at it and I was like, how the fuck did this even work before? Uh-huh. It doesn't even make any sense. But there's always that, that, well, it worked on my machine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. Well, the yes. joke is always uh, the first piece of feedback you get from anybody about, it, especially technical stuff, but even art too is Shit's broke. Everything <laughs> nothing works at all. Quote, Shit's broke. Um, yep. Yeah. So Adam was his spine was too straight. He was looking too proud. So I had to knock that get down in there, peg. give him some feedback, yeah. Yeah. contort his body. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, also, speaking of shit exploding, let's talk about wizard <laughs> keyboards. I thought you were gonna talk about your dog. Oh, that did happen to <laughs> She was sick this weekend. Not good. It was a. It was a time. Times, times were had. <laughs> there yeah, were but times. keyboards though. So at at my on my home rig. Rig. I can call it a rig because I, re- I rebuilt it. Because it's, it's, it's a computer. Yeah, it's a, it's a computer, but it's a it's a handcrafted one, which makes it a rig now, mm-hmm. you know. Rig rig applies to 18-wheel uh, semi-trucks. Yep, yep. And 18-wheel PCs. And PCs yes. that are so large, they need 18 yes. wheels on the bottom to <laughs> move them around. Yes. So on my on my at-home rig, I've got a DOS keyboard. This is the pure jet black one. So, you know, no no visible D-A-S. keys. D-A-S. D-A-S. Not not DOS, DOS, DAS, the company or brand, I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, but yeah, so DOS keyboard, super nice, you know, mechanical, clicky clacky mm-hmm. thing. Okay, but if you're not used to, I mean, we'll actually type. If you if you type like a normal person, you don't look at the keys because you well, don't need actually, to, right? There's been plenty of psych studies on this. Most people can't place more than about a third of the keys onto a keyboard. Yeah, but mentally. you can with your fingers. Yeah, though, right? your fingers no. But for some reason, we all have this mental hangup where we feel like if we can't see the keys, if we can't see the letters, how am I supposed to type? Yeah, then all of a sudden you think you can't type. <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to get over this mental hangup, which is why I got the sweet jet black keyboard. Uh, so I've been using that for a but long wait, time. Wait, it's, it's an important note. The entire thing is black. There are oh, yeah. no keys. There are no key letters on the keys. Nothing there are no markings. There's no mark. It's just a, it's a it's pure like a, black keyboard. Yeah. yeah. So that's. When Adam says jet black, it's just a dark just surface. It's like the stealth bomber of keyboards. Yeah, it's awesome. So I've been, I've been using that for a long time, you know, and it's fine. Uh, and uh, do you so, ever have times where you're like, God damn it! Like I'm just trying to find the five. Only button. if I'm trying to eat something with like one hand, and then trying to use my left hand. Oh, because then you got to look. Because then you got to look. Because you yeah. lose the muscle memory. Uh, and also, but here's a weird thing: when you're using when, when I'm doing my, my weird passwords, because I got very weird. Passwords have lots mm-hmm. of combos of things. Oh yeah, I have to look at my fingers. It doesn't actually matter because I. It's true on my jet black keyboard too. I can't. I don't see any letters, but I have to. I have to look at my mm-hmm. fingers. To do you kind of. Right. You kind of Tony Stark hologram project. Yeah, I don't know. It's really from weird. your brain. I just don't know how you would hit because my first four keys I've replaced with red ones since they're my hotkeys that I yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. And so they don't have the secondary symbol on them, like the hash, the money sign, whatever else. And so it's sort of a. It's a uh, guessing. That's game. because you're not a programmer, so you don't have to use those very often. That's true. That's true. true. Yeah, That's most of what you do as a programmer. Is, yeah, you're using those fucking keys that you yeah. can't reach. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, so I got the sweet jet black keyboard. Okay. Uh, and I'm also using, so I'm running Ubuntu because, you know, I'm a web developer and Linux is much more fun for that. Uh, but I'm also running a weird window manager on it that doesn't have a UI. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, there's no, there's no bar anywhere. There's no, like, desktop. There's none of that stuff, right? So I'll just say that a, a regular person who believes themselves like, very computer literate, even. Yeah, if you come to my machine. machine <laughs> Like, I'm going to get in here. You're not it's, getting in there. It's going to be like stepping into a piece of space age technology. <laughs> it's, it's very, like, so, I mean, I really dig my Adam's, Adam's computer is basically a space shuttle. Yeah. It's super fun. It has 1,000 switches. It and is buttons. his and his alone. Yeah. <laughs> Which is part of the, it's part of my pride in this, this mm-hmm. thing that I have, you know. Uh, so, but this became a problem because okay. on 
what was it Thursday last week? Uh, I had sw- I had finished transferring bscotch.net over to a new registrar, and that isn't the meaning of that doesn't even matter. It just means that I moved this website, which means it broke everything, right? Mm-hmm. So all the things were like, where is id.bscotch.net? Where's podcast.bscotch.net? No, all those knows. questions. Now the answer is who fucking knows? They're in the right? ether now. They're in the ether. So that means all our websites were just broken. So this is fine, except that the migration I was doing was supposed to not do any of that. I was supposed to carry all that data with it. I backed it up just in case, but I still just hit the button and then Always left. Always back it up. I hit, I hit the button at home and then left and went to work. Bold move. But I, you know, so, so I get to work 25 minutes later, boot up my machine, realize that all of our websites don't work. So I'm like, Classic. fuck. So that just makes so that I, <laughs> which I includes Bscotch ID. So just all cloud that. saving every everything everything's just dead. Yeah. So so then uh, so I'm like shit because that thing that I backed up, I just had it open in a text file on my home machine because I didn't actually take that second step <laughs> to back it up and drop it, making it available to myself. Uh, so I had to call my wife and say, Uh-oh. all right. <laughs> I need you I need to, you to get on this space shuttle. Get over to my space shuttle and get this document for me. Right? And so I'm walking her through these steps and she's just kind of like rolling her eyes and grunting at me. You know, I mean, I could hear the eyes rolling yeah. in the socks as she was, as she was doing this stuff. Cause she, and she'd be yelling about my fucking keyboard, you know? And, uh, and it was a very hilarious, she handled it quite spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it was a very hilarious moment of doing that, and then so she gets in, and like and of course, because I've got these alternate desktops. It's running right? Linux, right? It's running, yeah, it's running Linux. It's got these alternate desktops, and you can't. There's no way just to know that they're there. So she gets like, in. I'm like, okay, now you got to hit Alt Nine, right? There's all these things that she just has to do <laughs> to get to the because I, I know where like, each of my windows are and what's on number nine. But in order to do nine. that, she has to like figure out the shape of the Alt button. Yeah, the bottom well, and left. she has to type in my wacky password oh god adam on a jet black <laughs> keyboard where it's like half symbols and she's not a programmer right so right so those symbols are a little bit tricky to spot uh but but she remarkably she did it in only two tries nice. that was good i was, I was impressed probably would have taken me more than two tries i think it would have i would have just unplugged your keyboard and plugged my own in <laughs> which honestly she might have done i heard some racket so you know it's possible that is what she did i don't i don't know 100 percent. Right, but i looked at it and just was like fuck this fuck this <laughs> I get, I'm going to get my own. There's a, there's a real danger to like fully customizing your life. You well, know? There is, but the, the danger actually came because I didn't, I didn't fully implement my backup, you know, because that was really where the problem true. was. But, but it did teach me an important lesson, which is that even a super competent person, it takes an extra few seconds plus complete instructions to get access to my machine. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, so it's pretty secure. Good security. Yeah. Feel Why it's, 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 uh, so what's the security through obs- obfuscation? Obfuscation. Yeah. You have obfuscated your entire, everything. The keys, desk, everything. Yeah. Computer, you can't get in. Where there. is it? Yep. You can't see it. Get in there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This happens every so often because of course I've, I have all of my hotkeys for Inkscape that are on my machine Yeah. and I have them all backed up so I can just pull them down and, Basically, within like a minute or two, kind of get them put into whatever new installation there is. Yeah, because they're running an external script that's applied on yeah. top of it. Yeah, but even even the one inside the ones inside of Inkscape that I've I've kitted out for me in mm. particular too. So, but this means that there's actually there's two separate, completely separate file things you have to do in order to like get an Inkscape version up to the point where I could use it at max speed. And every so often, uh, someone else will have Inkscape open or they're trying to like they're you know mocking up a UI or whatever else, and they'll be like, oh Sam, could you you know. You can come over and help me with this thing. And then I'll go over there. And then I'm just like, I'm zooming in and out randomly. Yeah, I'm like, can't dude, I can't do anything because all my keys are completely <laughs> wrong. And it just takes a really long time to kind of, to do what would yeah, Actually, I used to customize. So I, I still customize pretty heavily on my, my desktop, as we discussed, mm-hmm. right? But 
But after that, I try to customize as little as possible for exactly that reason, which is that I, I suddenly become non-mobile and I have trouble because even, even with like my, my uh, desktop environment that I've now set up on my, my home, my work and my laptop mm -hmm. to be as equivalent as possible for, for my web dev stuff, uh, took a huge amount of effort to try to like figure out what all the things are that are changed mm -hmm. off of, you know, the baseline, um, operating system. So that when I hit a key combination, like the right thing would happen, right. you know? And so I, I wrote a script that now does that for me. So I can just automatically deploy a new operating system that'll work the way I want. Uh, but it took me a long time to put that together and that can only work with Linux. So you right. can't do that with Windows. Uh, so kind of like further trapping me in that space. Now if, <laughs> now if I go to use a Windows machine to try to do development, it's a fucking nightmare because I can't, I just can't, can't do use, anything. Yeah. It's also slow. <laughs> I have to use a mouse all the time. You know? Oh, gosh. Oh. You have to look at keys, nightmare. keys yeah. that you can read. Yeah. It's, it's so just, overwhelming. God. All the, all the, Quit screaming all at the me. markings Letters. on the keys. Yeah, markings on the screen. You know, there's like <laughs> menus and things. It's menus. Just, it's just what is this? Hideous. What is this, the 90s? <laughs> I guess that, no, wait, menus were are new. Our menus new? Things they were in the 90s. They used to have menus. Everything was we a console. You know, things used to be a console. No, that was like, back in the- Early like, 90s, like DOS, sure, you know, yeah, MS DOS days. Uh all right, anyways, let's go to some industry Actually, news. speaking of those, just real oh, quick. Yeah. I played, we talked about Pathways in Darkness, I think, a long time ago. One Pathways of childhood games. Darkness. Uh, I found an emulator for it and tried it out. Well, this was probably like a year ago or something. It's not good. And it's not good, but I couldn't even believe, I just, I, I have, my memory of this game is just like, it's the full screen, you know, the whole experience, right? But when I actually played the real thing, there's all these floating, because it, it, it's like a, it's basically just like a software application, right? Mm -hmm. But so yeah. there's floating windows. There's like, a, there's a window for your inventory. Yeah. There's a window for your actual gameplay screen. There's a window for just like oh. every component, just separate windows. Yeah. It's kind of like how Photoshop works, right? Like yeah. you've got your window where the, you like know, layers the and, is, and you're and you the tool docs. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it's not even, it's not even all in one, inside of like one thing. No, yeah. It's Each one's floating a separate window. floating window. And, uh, and very, I was. Very clever. Yeah, but it was really horrible. It was probably it's probably because <laughs> they, so they were like, let's see, Microsoft has their new Windows operating system. We got to use the Windows because that's you know everybody loves <laughs> in the name. It's all about the Windows. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't I don't know why. Was that Bungie that, that made that? Yeah, it was Bungie. Cool. Yeah, old, that was old that school was, Bungie. Yeah, if you want to see if you want to see the precursors to games like Halo, <laughs> yeah, go try out <laughs> try Pathways, Pathways into Darkness. <laughs> yeah, and then that's they, what you just get to remember. On. Everybody started somewhere. You yeah, know? Everybody started somewhere. They started with paper thin two D sprites of. Three three frame animation headless monsters that spit snot at you yep. out of their faces. Mm -hmm. So, uh, industry news: Valve they bought Campo Santo, the creators of Firewatch, mm -hmm. and the upcoming In the Valley of the Gods. Yeah, what is what, what? is this? Just what came is, out of nowhere. What is this? We read this news and we're all like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's, trying to put it together. Every but now I can't. and then, yeah, every now and then, some things happen where we're like, oh, I see where this is going. We do not see where this is going. <laughs> okay. uh, this is very I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for Campus Senate. That's awesome. You know, maybe. And apparently, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who we knows? don't know. It's according to the news. According to the news, it's a very hands-off thing. It, it yeah. sounds like re reading the way that it's explained. Basically, Valve was like, "We'll just take on the financial burden. You guys keep on making games." Right. Was kind of what it sounded like was going to happen. Which is pretty rad. That sounds Which pretty could good. Could be a good deal. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the few times where I would say this is this is probably fine. Because oftentimes you'll see a, a larger publisher mm -hmm. buy a smaller studio and then they get shut down or their projects get canceled or whatever because that studio is no longer a studio. They're an investment. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it seems like that investment might not pay off, then, some, then somebody's got to cut their losses, right? right? 
And so, um, you know, this is the reason why we don't ever seek out outside funding or anything like that ourselves. But in the case of Valve, uh, they just kind of have infinite money. Mm-hmm. So they'll be good. Yeah. So, they, yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they could even, no matter what Campo Santo does, Valve could just, if they wanted to, view it as a loss leader and be like, we just want them to keep making awesome games and put them on Steam. Right. right. Yeah. So, and it won't even the be, more money they have, the more awesome their games can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. It'll make the Steam platform just better. But they, but they even, they even said in that thing too that they weren't going to force Campo Santo to restrict their launches to Steam either. So, there'll still be cross platform launches mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Yeah. So, it's kind of, it's hard to see like what the, value is for well but i think on the valve side because they can push they can push sales of a game because they can do yeah, a full page ta- they can do a full page takeover right yeah uh, there might be some bias in the feature treatment I, I have a suspicion <laughs> think about how well because they also got spectacular feature treatment when they launched they firewatch yep. uh and i think they move, they move, may even gotten a full page takeover they got like the, i think the half page like that the thing yeah, people yeah. get now which is like a half page sort of fade down thing right yeah. yeah so they got really good feature treatment that game of course did spectacularly mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, I think Valve can see that, you know, worst case scenario, they roughly break even on some, cause I think yeah. this, this next game they're making looks very intense and very costly, mm-hmm. but uh, awesome, but awesome. Yeah. And it, you know, has potential to make a lot of money. So I think Valve will do just fine with it. Um, yeah. and it'll, they seem to want to put some stuff in their wheelhouse that says Valve on it, you know? Yeah. It's just new games coming out that are made by Valve. Yeah. Yeah, or funded at least by Valve. I think it's yeah. Well, I think I think they're at the point where they since they haven't made stuff for so long. I don't know if they have any people, in, any game makers left. You right? Know? Yeah. Uh, Except for Gabe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. He's, he's still working on Half Life Three, I think. In the back, he's, is he? That's, a, that's a weekend actually, what, project. What does he, he do just, over there? Does he? Is he like running a company? Is he just? Does he not do anything? Does he make games? Like I don't, I don't know. know. He's, he's, just, he's just doing game stuff. Speaking of giant companies who uh, who do launch games. Because there's an interesting thing that happened, which is God of War came out, the, new, the fifth one in the series, yes. and has been getting just sterling Rave reviews. reviews. Everyone's yep. like, oh my God, this is sort of the next thing in gaming. Um, yes. Because apparently it's just so good. From a design perspective, from visuals, perspective, just everything. And there's a really interesting article that was talking about, uh, you know, why is it that, that something like God of War or The Last of Us, uh, both of which are produced by Sony, uh, were able to be these like standout single player experiences and a big part of it. You know, the people who make TVs. Well, at the PlayStation, (laughs) um, they make all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. So the big point there is that they have the resources necessary to, to be able to like really fully fund these, frankly, just like dream projects, dream projects for people. Uh, And God of War took five years and there's this fantastic video now floating around of the game director reacting to seeing the Metacritic score for the first time. Um, Which I think is really good because it, it really shows it shows that there's a, there are people who made the stuff, you know, and, and it means something. We them. read the reviews too, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was really interesting to watch that video. Um, but I think it's, it's an interesting place where the industry is going, where you have these really huge single player experiences um, or just really high fidelity, or whatever else that, that actually a lot of people in the middle or at the bottom in terms of size or, or general scale can't actually can't produce reliably because you can't fund it. So who knows? Who knows where this is all going? Yeah. I don't. Me neither. My only complaint is it's a PS4 exclusive. I know. I want to play it. Yeah. Why would Sony do that? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they need to take page out of Valve's book and just be like, just do whatever. Just yeah. put it wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will. I mean, maybe it'll be an exclusive for, you know, just eight years or something like that. And then it'll probably come out on now PS5. My, my bet is <laughs> because PS4, you know, console hardware is very specific. And so when people are making these very aggressive, very yeah. complicated 
That's high true, fidelity, so it's high resolution games. Perfectly optimized. It's perfectly yeah. optimized for this platform. So my bet is that in order for it to go anywhere else, they'd probably have to basically recode it, but, which is not going to happen. But listen, I have Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on my phone. Which means 15 yeah. years from now, I can get God of War get, 5 yeah. on my phone. Because we can run a <laughs> PS4 emulator on our phones, yeah. which will then be able to run God of War 5. Mm-hmm. At 130 frames per second. Easily. Yep. In your pocket. Just wait. You just got to bide your time. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if there's any games you just really want, just wait and get it, get it on your phone. <laughs> that generally is my philosophy. Though, things don't really seem to come out of the PlayStation trap. Yeah. Last year, still over there. I really just, they just still get stuck. There. Hang, but you know what? It's working because every day I'm like, oh, maybe I, I have to get maybe today I'll get a PlayStation. I know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> those titles, those are console selling titles. Is the thing. Yeah. What's God the, what's the well, I mean, one think about the, Breath of the Wild. You know, yeah. like people yeah. buy a Switch for that. I, you know, once again, every day I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe this weekend is the weekend, <laughs> which means eventually <laughs> you will, right? Because this is one of those. This is one of those. Uh, uh, what's that problem called? Where basically every day you roll the dice. And so just one of these days you're going to roll it and it's going to take you to the switch, right? Mm-hmm. Which means you might as well just stop worrying about it. Just buy it now. Well, because there, it's going to happen. I save a little bit, yeah, but. <laughs> but it's just going to happen. You know? I, I, as much as I would like to just have all the things right now, I should yeah. probably spread it out a little bit. I mean, it is, yeah. it is more, uh, you know, appropriate mm-hmm. and just responsible, more and feasible. I gotta, to I gotta adult way. this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So otherwise, other news, we got some life news. Let's talk about the brome. Let's talk about Sam got this thing called a brome. It is a squirrel busting machine. It doesn't, so, it, no, it doesn't bust squirrels in like a violent sense. It I, just keeps them from eating seeds. Even though <laughs> I would be also fine with bro making a machine that actually just destroyed, Kinda, just liquidated the just squirrel liquid- contact. <laughs> little, uh, our little auto turrets, sort of predator style. Just, yes, just something that would just blow them to smithereens. That's just turn uh, them into red dust. But that's the like pro version mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the squirrel bird feeder. Squirrel but so feeder. This, we talked about it on last week on the podcast, which is you know trying to find those things, solve those problems that you have that just annoy the shit out of you. Squirrels eating my my bird seed, big problem. Googled it, found this uh, this feeder called the Brome. Uh, made by a company called Brom. It's a squirrel buster. And so I got one, you know, got to my house and I installed it over the weekend. And you know, it took about 15 minutes to put together, filled up a seed, looks great. And you have to sort of hang it out a little bit from wherever the, wherever the pole is that it's attached to so that the squirrels can't just, you know, reach over and get in there because it relies on their body weight in order to work. And so then the squirrel so, gets on there, the doors close. The doors to the seed close. And also sort of it jars a little bit. So usually they like, kind of freak out and leap off. And yeah. so I, I get this thing set up. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it's high enough. I hope it works. And then I go, and I'm just sitting, just watching out the window. And this goddamn squirrel, of course, just saw me fill it up with seed. And so he He's comes watching. over there. He's watching. He comes over there. Um, and he jumps on the, on the pole to try to get up there. So he climbs up. And then grabs onto it and it has this slip grip thing, which is basically a false grip that is on the top of it. So that if they grab it and they fall, <laughs> and so he grabs that and falls and the gate's shut. And then he's like looking very pissed off and run around a little bit. And then he tries again, jumps up from the bottom, falls off again. And so it was basically five minutes. So of it's like every entertainment. piece of this machine is designed to just piss a squirrel. It's kind of like, like that platformer. What was that platformer called where the, the, the developer predicted oh, puzzle every- trap? Puzzle trap. Oh, predicted trap everything. Trap adventure. Trap adventure trap yeah. Yeah. Predicts everything that you're gonna. If you haven't seen gifts of this, you should go watch yeah. them. Uh, but he predicts everything that you're gonna do, and then just makes that suck for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Like, like if, exactly. if you go to a ledge and you pause for a moment, then the ledge just goes bloop and pops off and you just fall. <laughs> yeah. Fall to your yeah, death. So this, <laughs> so this bird feeder is that for squirrels, That's and awesome. so every move that they make has been designed to 
turn into a false start. For I also love the idea of whoever it was that was inventing this thing. And so they made a prototype and they would go put it out in their yard and just take notes and be like, what, what did the squirrel try this time? You know? Like, what you, if I use a slippery, slippery grip? Right. Oh my God, it's incredible. So, so it turned, it turned what used to be, you know, I could put seed out and then it'd be gone in a day because these fat squirrels would come eat all of it into now it's just it's, entertainment I get product. entertainment so i go look out the window every day now every morning you times. get up and you're just drinking your coffee <laughs> and just go hey. yeah <laughs> well the thing is like and then and two of the squirrels have learned that they can't get anything from it so they they just aren't around they just left so i'm still waiting for like maybe a new guy to show up in the neighborhood false starts on him so i can enjoy myself but yeah i have cardinals now i got a got a cardinal pair who are hanging out and we had a couple blue jays show up yesterday mm. in our backyard mm-hmm. and I, my wife was like what is that <laughs> She's, I don't know, she's, she hasn't seen a lot of birds. She's from, <laughs> she's from the city. I was like, those are, those are blue jays. This, this shit's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we in, in the Midwest, we've got the bright red and the bright blue mm-hmm. birds. So apparently blue jays, I think they get, they might get too big. So they actually trigger the. Yeah, probably. The setting. Yeah. Of the, they can get pretty beefy. Yeah. You, you know. should uh, Plus they're blue, which is kind of a deeper color, which kind of like pushes it down mm-hmm. more. Yeah. You mm-hmm. should just catch some of them and then just kind of like put little helium balloons on them. There you go. That way they can tag their bird mm-hmm. feet. Yeah. There you go. Dead. <laughs> Perfect. Broomed. Uh, otherwise, we got a little, little project in the works. Some people in the Discord last week were talking about uh, wanting some kind of documentation for the quest for gains, mm-hmm. which is the, the sort of uh, spirit quest that I'm currently going on uh, for, the, for the next, I guess, six. I just finished week four. So I have six, six more weeks. weeks. Yeah. So it's basically, it's just a, it's a 10 week exercise and dietary regimen for just like getting real fit, getting beefy, getting real beefy and fit. Um, and so, so I started writing this thing up and so that I could kind of deploy it into the discord and say, here you go. If anybody else wants to do this, but as I started writing it and I was chatting with Sam about it as well over the weekend. And, uh, I was like, you know, it'd be kind of awesome if, if we wrote this thing, like a strategy guide, like a video game strategy guide, mm-hmm. because it really just is a lot of it just comes down to sort of like tracking your progress, measuring your goals and like all the kinds of stuff that makes video games. Awesome. Right. Is that you get this very quick and immediate feedback about how well you're doing. And that's kind of the strategy that I use to make it through all 10 weeks Mm -hmm. of this kind of thing. And so, so I have sections in there about, you know, what kind of hand armor you need because you got to protect your hands uh, things like mana potions. Mm-hmm. You got to have your refillable mana vial, which is of course a water bottle because your muscles, when you're using uh, levitation spells with your muscles to lift objects, yeah. it just uses a lot of mana, you know, mm-hmm. and you gotta, you gotta drink water to replenish your mana. Uh, so we have all these kind of, does killing mobs also replenish mana or is that not, <laughs> is that not an aspect of this? No, that uses mana. Oh, That's yeah. a talent you can get but way later. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I have stuff like the section, the section, <laughs> on, the, right spec, yeah. so the section on the different exercises is called rep grinding, you know, mm-hmm. to talk about grinding mm-hmm. reps. Yep. Um, and then we have, uh, we also talked about sort of different bosses that you're going to come across. Um, so we have, uh, you know, the, the bringer of fatigue, you know, and you've got the the bringer of soreness mm-hmm. and all these different bosses and kind of when you're going to confront them and what how to of, tackle them. How, yeah, yeah. What kinds of strats to use to overcome them? I and assume so, that uh, once this is complete, there will also be an audio book. I hope we could. Yeah, we could not? do it. Yeah, uh, but okay. yeah, so I mean, so we started writing this thing. I'm about 14 pages in and it just keeps getting cooler. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw the, was the first few paragraphs or something. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I got a kick out of it. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of just 
it's turning it into something fun that's very relatable for people who are maybe not really that into exercise, but are into video games. And it's like, no, actually, they're very like mm-hmm. they're very similar things. And so if we can draw a connection between them, then people can just go do it. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. So I'm kind of working on that. We'll we'll report back as things. Yeah, because maybe we should bring some extra excerpts to re- to read out loud in future yeah, episodes. Yeah, Actually, speaking of things in future episodes, uh-huh. set up a, a set of principles for the studio. Yeah, and then we left a cliffhanger where we were going to reveal. Oh my god, how many people are still hanging on that? <laughs> some principles. <laughs> Their hands are fatigued. We never did do that, uh, and I don't know. I don't know if there was a plan. I mean, I know we were just spitballing there, but do we do we want to talk about? Well, it? we had, we hadn't finished refining the principles. Yet. No, that's true. I They're now we, on a poster. We, we put them on the wall, and we were like, we got to keep them there for a while because we could just talk. We could just because there's like twelve of them, right? Mm-hmm. We could just do one at a time for the next twelve. Twelve, episodes. 12 weeks of principles. Twelve weeks. Of principles. All right, we'll start that next week. Cliffhanger. <laughs> If we, if we remember. And if you don't fall off the cliff in the next. Yeah. If you're still alive. Your fingers are so tired. Yeah. The thing is you got, well, we may have to accelerate a little bit because people only have 10 fingers. And if we do it over 12 weeks, because I assume each week one finger loses you a grip. You get that like that comical like ping and yeah. then the fingers off, you know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Not gonna That's what's going to happen. Well, so so you maybe, have, you maybe we'll do. eight fingers and then you got your thumbs, you know. Yeah. But your thumbs are just hand toes. Yeah. But they don't really. You know, like if you're hanging on a ledge, <laughs> you're hanging on a ledge, your thumbs aren't doing jack shit for you. If you're hanging on like a pole, it's good. But, you know, I'm assuming this is a cliff. It's not a pole cliff. It's a, well, it, you're hanging on a ledge, but there's little thumb grooves that you can like, you can get okay, in there. Right. And they sort of like you're riding a motorcycle. <laughs> it's yeah. a throttle. There's a it, throttle. There's a throttle <laughs> that you're hanging on. All right, let's go on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you'd like to get your question into a future episode, head on over there and then do it. First question <laughs> comes from Kula Bula. This one's deep. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hashtag deep. Do you guys believe in an afterlife? Sorry if the question is too controversial or scientifically defective. P.S. I don't mean. I, I don't know what that means. I don't know. I like it. P.S. I don't mean when a video game character dies. So in real I feel life. like he knew the route we were going to go. Mm-hmm. That. In real life. In real life. Afterlife. Situation. So my, my take on this is it probably doesn't matter what I believe. Because either there is one or there isn't. Right. So are it's kind of, are, like, are you going to Pascal's wager this one? No, I'm just saying, okay. I'm just saying, so like global warming, either it's happening or it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And it, whether it is happening though. And whether it, it is happening <laughs> and there's a lot of evidence. <laughs> yeah, to be clear, it's definitely there happening. There is all of the evidence, uh, but you can choose to not believe that it's happening. But that doesn't impact the fact that it's happening. It doesn't change the fact that it is totally happening mm-hmm. right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so. So I think, you know, the same thing with something spiritual, you know, you can, whatever you want to believe, you believe it and either you're right or you're wrong eventually. And that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. It probably doesn't, it doesn't really matter unless you believe there's some, some retribution angle in there where your, your deeds in life determine which good piece of, of the post-life puzzle you get to participate in. Yeah. But yeah. you might be wrong. You might so, totally I mean, be wrong. here's the thing. You still might be wrong. You might be right, but you also might be wrong. So, mm-hmm. So, it's, it's so, true. So, so, so if you say like, you know, what I believe is that if I don't do things, you know, A through F in mm-hmm. life, then I'm going to get, I'm going to get retributed. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're going to live your life by those principles, but also you might've missed thing G. So you're going to get retributed You don't my, really know. So you should just live your best life. Yeah. My take is, uh, is just that 
it's similar, but I think it's it's more along the lines of uh, the only part I know is what's going on now. And but you, well, you, I mean, you, you kind I of vaguely, know what's going I on. Vaguely, <laughs> you actually know very little yeah. about what's going on right now. All right, now. dudes, I vaguely know <laughs> what's going on right now. And and I the one the other piece that I do know is that at some point I won't be doing this. Like I will get you leave. You leave. You're gonna shed your mortal I, coil. Shed my mortal coil ascend, like a snake. Ascend to the plane mm. of the ancestors, of, or just dead. One of the two. And yeah. <laughs> but either way, it, it means an end to whatever's happening here. And all yeah. the people I care about, they're here. I know they're here for sure because I'm here too. And even I'm pretty sure that I'm here. Even if they're not, it's awfully. It seems an awful lot like that's the case. So it might as well just embrace. What it. I want to know. Here's what I want to know, you guys. Mm, what people always talk about the afterlife, which seems like a very sort of sort of self-centered view mm. in the sense that, you know, now that I'm here, I have to keep being here forever. But what about the before life? Mm. You know, like nobody ever talks about, about what it was like before you were alive. Well, yeah, Cause my, you were dead at that point also. Right. My guess I mean? is it's, is it's just a void sandwich, you know? Yeah, exactly. Being dead is the same as not being born. Yeah. So you just, you know, that's why. I, well, I think, no, you're a, you're a life sandwich in a void bread. Right? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You're, yeah, yeah. You're a life sandwich and void bread. And good, uh, like but you just see what I'm saying because like people always talk about the afterlife because now that you're here, you know it's and they can't you, even you, imagine yeah, being dead. It sounds uh, yeah. so scary, but it's just as scary as not. It's having as scary as it was yet. before. Yeah, how scary was that? Scary. How many of you were scared when you weren't born yet? There's a great quote. I can't. I can't remember <laughs> where this appeared. Might have been in the. Dis- I don't remember. I think it was in the Discord. In the Discord about diffusing bombs. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I, I. Sorry. I need to. I need to find a tr- attribution to this, but. Uh, it was whether somebody was as a bomb technician, if they were nervous when they were defusing bombs. And they said, no, because if I'm right, great. And if I'm wrong, it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is quite true. Yeah, I think uh, there's nothing to worry about. Well, yeah, I mean, my stance on it is that beliefs are things that you can, are hypotheses to be tested. Hmm? If it's an untestable hypothesis, you have no right to believe in it. This is my, this is my stance on things. Right. Uh, and if there's no reason to believe a thing, then you also, there's no, that means there's no evidence. Right. So then, then just don't, you just don't worry about the thing. It's not a thing to believe because it's not a thing you can test. And so that's kind of where I fall on the thing, which is not agnostic because that implies like, you're like, Ooh, I don't know. Right. But just, there's just no reason to think there is one. It might take a, so I don't slight bend on that, which is that if it's very useful for you to believe it. Despite the fact that if it helps you and who cares, so that there's not any credible evidence or just any way to test whatever's happening, then as long as you're not being addicted, well, but, yeah, but that's the problem. That's because always the problem. As soon as you believe that that uh, that wanting something to be true makes it true, as soon as you believe, no, that, no, but I think I think that's that's what I'm saying is I, I there's a there's a difference in. Was this, the, the truthiness term from Stephen Colbert? Yeah, right? yeah, but there there is, but th- th- that doesn't seem to matter in pra- practically. Right? That is true, right? Because the moment that that a person is willing to to make that move once in one domain, where they'll say, you know, I I love the idea of this because it gives me a sense of purpose or whatever. Mm-hmm. I agree, that's beautiful right there. Except that also opens the door for like I'm going to treat myself with homeopathic remedies instead of seeing a real doctor, mm. you know, or, or whatever the, the list then is now, do you just open okay, these floodgates? Okay. Right? So my wife and I started watching Westworld. I still need to see this. Okay. okay. It, is, it is zany. Uh, real, real quick for those who don't know the core premise of the show. Don't, don't spoil it. No, I can spoil it. Okay. Uh, we only watched like two episodes. <laughs> so. Uh, so the core premise is sometime in the future, there's this sort of like 
theme park that is just a huge uh, area of land that a company has bought and they have populated it with extremely lifelike uh, synthetic humanoid sort of androids who every day they reenact sort of like what life was like in the old West. And so, uh, so tourists who are super rich, they come in, uh, in small groups and they get to sort of live a day in the life of, you know, whatever, but they get to do whatever they want. And so they can go and like go on a shooting spree, Mm -hmm. like rob a bank, you know, whatever, um, because you're not doing any real harm to real people and it's fine, you know, whatever. And so then they like people go there, they do whatever they want and then they leave. And then the androids are kind of like repaired. Their memory is reset. And then they start the next day, just do the exact same thing every day. Um, and at one point, one of the, one of the androids finds a, a photograph uh, of a, of a person in New York city hmm. and he's looking at it and, and he shows it to his, his, you know, fake Android daughter. Cause they just like, they just assign roles. Like this is the daughter, this is the father, hmm. you know, whatever. So he shows it to his assigned daughter and he's like, what is this? I've, I've never seen anything like this before. And the daughter looks at it and she goes, well, that doesn't look like anything to me. And he goes, yeah, but look at it. I mean, look at what's, where is she? What is this? And she just keeps saying, doesn't look like anything to me because they're all programmed if they see something that violates their reality to just use the phrase that doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so, so they all are programmed to just kind of shrug it off. Mm-hmm. So they have like an inbuilt confirmation bias mm-hmm. where anything that violates their own bubble can't, they can't even see it. Mm-hmm. Like they can't acknowledge it, which how does this, yeah. how does this relate back to the, after well, it comes back to this question of you can choose to believe whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, I do think it gets to a point where like Adam's talking about, if you get into the habit of not questioning things um, or discarding things that go against your worldview, even if there's overwhelming evidence, um, then you start to run into some potential Wrinkles. issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the other one to me is that I think, uh, I think embracing what embracing the, the part that we know, which is that you do die. We at least know you're living and you die. Yeah. We know those two pieces. There's a lot yeah. of evidence for that. And there's actually, yeah. there's enough beauty in just that fact. Although everybody currently alive no. hasn't died yet. So we don't know. That's true. If we yeah. don't know if at some point that's going to stop happening. Mm-hmm. It might, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> who's to say? Who knows if the sun will rise tomorrow? Or actually everybody who's currently alive used to be dead, but now isn't. And they haven't died twice. Yes. Yeah. Well, they used yeah. to be in the void. They used in to the void. I personally, pre- I just yeah. personally born think of, born of the void. Pre-life. Life is so much more interesting <laughs> than the void. I just kind of wish everybody would focus on that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in that camp too. There's enough going on and there's enough cool stuff going yeah. on. How cool would it be if people just started referring to, to the afterlife as the void, the void. Or a, a From child. the void we are born <laughs> to the void we are Or return. a child would be like, yes, we, we created this, this new human brought from the void. It's a fresh yeah. soul. <laughs> a fresh soul <laughs> from the void. We've conjured a soul from a the void. void. <laughs> uh, we've got a fresh soul, about eight pounds. <laughs> pretty good one. Pretty good. Tasty snack-sized life sandwich. Fun-sized in a void sandwich. All right, next question comes from Duckmaster. What is the best type of mustache? Mm. I would say one that's attached to other facial hair. That is also my opinion, mm. but it's probably because we're not from the 70s. You know, I think it's any yes. mustache that you can grow. There's also that. You that's that's be, a much more just affirming. be proud <laughs> yeah. of whatever facial hair now you got. Now, what if... Or what if, don't got. Or don't got. 
what if your mustache is just two like real long individual Here's hairs? Thing. If you grow them out long enough and then you comb them, <laughs> you got to own it correctly. Own it. Then you can just you can make a fake. Yeah, like you just you bend it into a zigzag. Yeah, it's yeah. like a comb over. For your upper lip. So you, <laughs> yeah. so you, you know, the best type of mustache is, is just one worn with confidence. That's true. hundred percent. Even if it's two real long, wispy comb over Even strands. if it's nothing or even if it's just too much mustache, right? You just, as long as it's like, uh, you don't want your mustache to wear you. You want to wear That's your right. mustache, yeah. you know? <laughs> and otherwise, it is important you keep it tidy. Yeah. You know, you keep that thing tidy. Keep mm-hmm. it off your lip. Yep. You know? Keep Put crumbs out of it. Keep crumbs out of it. Get some beard Keep oil in comb. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comb it. You just got, you got to be tight. But that, that all comes down to, you got to own it. Yeah. You know, you got to. It's your responsibility. Some people get a little too carried away with how aggressively they can grow facial hair. And they just let that, it's like shooting out of their face, basically. Like this sort of. It's like if you took Play-Doh and put it in a, like in a hydraulic press. Oh, those. Yeah. I saw a video yeah. the other day. You don't, you, if, if you, you, know, you were just, to, so yeah. if you were to just like approach someone on the street, if you just, if you just yelled at somebody, you said, Hey. Hold on. And then you ran toward them. Mm-hmm. Would that person think, oh my God, I'm being accosted by a forest person mm-hmm. who yeah. hasn't bathed or shaved in 16 right. years? Or would they say, look at that fantastic bearded human coming mm-hmm. toward me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who has taken great care of themselves? Mm-hmm. They must have something very important to tell me that I must hear. Yeah, because there's a very fine line between those and it all comes down to maintenance and hygiene. <laughs> yeah. So you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Take care of that. Take care of that shit. Next question comes from Quantum Anomaly. Unintended use of items can make for interesting level design and reward creative thinking, but can also be a toxic crutch for trolls. What are your thoughts on patching level head post-launch, and do you have any ideas for how to notify players and creators that some levels are now unbeatable once a bug is patched? This is kind of like that uh, when Mario Maker changed their physics. Yes, and they they didn't do a patch in like, a year and a half or something. Like yeah. That. Then they suddenly invalidated like a fuck ton of levels with no fanfare. Yeah. They were just like, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is actually, we've been talking about a lot because, uh, so last week we spent a bunch more time revisiting the movement, uh, of the, of GR 18 in level head because it wasn't quite where we wanted it to be. And so we, we basically took to spicing it up a little bit. And so adding a bit of a sprint mechanic and some other interesting things. Um, but a big part of that, was sort of exactly talking about this problem, which is like, if if there's something that we don't like as far as just the basic way that the game operates post-launch, we're not talking about stuff like, oh, maybe you're going to change, tune up a power-up or do these few things, but but something about the physics or like how the how the world actually kind of works and reacts to you, then yeah, we're going to basically be... I mean, even stuff like the blink, because the blink, you know, you teleport a few spaces, mm-hmm. right? If we're like, ooh, this is a little too far. Yeah. We take it back one space. Take it back a space or make it go a space further. Now all of a sudden a whole bunch of people's level design. Oh yeah. You can teleport in this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. So yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting thing to think about because uh, you could, you can look at it as the whole, like we just invalidated, you know, bajillion hours of work. Right. Which Which, we will. Which we will. Um, This is is when we, when we were talking about um, Apple rounding the corners of the iPhone X, we were like, how dare they? Well, you know, we're going to have to do it to some people as well. We're going to round the corners of this game at some point. I think, I think as long as those patches are, are rolled together with other cool opportunities for stuff to do. So it's not just the case that you're like, let's invalidate half the levels and you don't have any other new toys Mm -hmm. to play with. Um, I think that's, that's to me, just not a good approach as, as far as how to handle Community and also just excitement around building stuff. Yeah, but if it is, if it's in the case of like Nintendo, where it was a complete physics overhaul. Yeah. So now the game is just it's just different now. It's you know, literally it's a different. different so that's also kind of a cool thing to do because they just kind of decided we just don't like all of it. 
Mm-hmm. We want this to all be better, mm-hmm. right? And that required just re- retooling the so whole thing. So here's a question. Just, just, throw, just throwing ideas out. Again, the game's currently in development. Listeners, so don't take any of this as, you know, gospel mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, what if we had, what if we gave creators the opportunity to basically n- nuke all of their levels stats, unpublish it, pull it back down into their sort of creations, mm. change stuff and then republish it. So of course it would wipe out all of the plays. Right. Um, right. And so it no longer is a valid so that'd be, thing. That'd be, I think that'd be a neat thing to do if it were the case that we were going to possibly like break everything essentially. Well, things just will get broken, you know? So yeah, it is, it is there. It is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways we could try to handle it. So that's, that's one option. That's a very tricky one because there's a lot of possibilities for people mm-hmm. to kind of find ways to try to exploit it. Yep. Um, but well, I think the interesting, the underlying actual question here, I think is Ed, to what degree do you as a developer owe your player base, uh, basically some measure of stability with regard to the game itself. And I mean, and this is a question that goes across literally the whole industry, not just in, in terms of maker games, but I mean, you're looking at like patch notes for, you know, Call of Duty going out and then developers who put in that patch about like, oh yeah, we tweaked the, the firing rate on this assault rifle, getting like death threats from their player base, right? Because it's, because it's a change. People don't like it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think there's an interesting question there because we've also been talking a lot about kind of how we're handling the transition from Scotch ID to Rumpus and, and how we're doing a bunch of this tech debt sort of stuff we're getting out of. And a lot of the, the, the questions we have to answer is just to what degree do we need to keep things a very particular way for our player base? And to what degree should we actually be operating, you know, with full freedom to do what is essentially the right thing going forward as opposed to only backward. Right. So if we take that as an example, the best move for us for the transition from Beast ID to Rumpus is to literally remove, just burn down Beast ID and mm-hmm. kill it. And then use Rumpus and actually even take down all of our old games because they don't make any money. Mm-hmm. So they, they're just a pure cost for us. So that would be for us, that would be the most convenient, cheapest, fastest, fastest uh, Everything would be, our lives would be infinitely easier. It'd be like ripping off a Band-Aid, but that Band-Aid is attached to like a couple hundred thousand people. Exactly. It's a real long Band-Aid. A real long Band-Aid. And this probably isn't the best experience for our players. Correct. So the the question now we have to to answer is, is, and for a while we were actually seriously entertaining the idea of still just burning it all down because Mm -hmm. that's how frustrating it is for us to have to try to (laughs) fix this problem. Um, It's a very costly thing to get out of tech debt. Yeah. Yeah. And and the cheapest way is just to is basically to not. Mm-hmm. This actually reminds me of um, uh, we heard that uh, Terraria Two got mm-hmm. canceled. Yeah. yeah, which is the reason we assume is that Terraria the original uh, is still undergoing constant development, mm-hmm. and so to re to get to a point in Terraria Two where they recreated everything that original Terraria had, uh, it's now been in development for like eight years. Yeah. So it would take them at least that much time, if not more. And by then, Terraria's eight years ahead again. Yep. Yeah. And so so you kind of hit this weird point where, you know, you got you to totally stop work on the previous thing and just kind of leave it in a, just whatever state it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to figure out then how do you get everybody over to the new thing mm-hmm. that's better and easier to manage and whatever. Uh, and knowing that actually most of them won't make that migration, depending on, depending on what the thing is exactly. So yeah. with Beast Country and Rump, it's a little bit different because we can, at least in principle, put just replace Beast Country with Rumpus in all of our games. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, now we basically just force everybody to transition. Yeah. So then that's fine. Uh, but that requires us to figure out how do we how do we port data over? How do we do all this this stuff? Yeah. And how do we explain to players what the hell just happened? Because if they yeah, download they- an update and they open it up. 
and it just says and now they're logged out, and now it just says log into Rumpus. It's gonna feel it's gonna feel like we pulled the fast one on, right? You know, when really it's it's basically Bscotch ID two, but it has a rebrand associated with it. Yeah. So it's like how do you how do you just get everybody in there without pissing everybody off, also or confusing the hell out of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we got to do it very deliberately. Yeah, was One it was a game at a time? We've taken sort of a middle ground stance on it. I think we're just we're not just going to burn stuff down for our own sake um, because we do have a big player base that we we like and we don't want to make. Yeah, it and we set. don't want to sabotage. I mean, even though you know Quadrupus and Red Rage and whatever, like those games aren't aren't really making money, mm-hmm. um, but they still matter. Yeah, to us and to the, our players. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to sabotage those either. Right. So yeah, hard line to walk. <laughs> yep. We're gonna we're gonna do it. It's gonna be hard. Uh, it's gonna be and no one slow. Will even know, and we won't be thankful. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we're just gonna all have. We're like, just hoping to get the minimum death threats possible. That's always the goal in game death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ever ripped off a bandaid slowly? Because it is the worst. It's like yeah. waxing. You know, you're just like you just. It's gonna be covered in hair. You're gonna be bleeding. Uh, it's gonna be bad. But that's what's gonna happen. That is what's yeah, gonna happen. We're gonna do that for you guys mm-hmm. for, for our listeners. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question comes from T Juice. Imagine you all have a fourth brother. Mm. Who is he? A ghost? <laughs> a cowboy? A ghost? A robot? Etc. You have art programming and web dev. What role would Bro Four play? Interesting. Well, here's the question: Where where's Bro Four inserted in the birth order? Is this just like tacked on the side? <laughs> That's a twin of one one of Ooh, us. A twin bro. Uh huh. I don't know. I don't I've know been think finding it literally impossible to answer. Here's a role that I think would be convenient. Pilot. Like airplane pilot? Yeah. Because okay. um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you know somebody who was a pilot, then I assume the way this works is they just give you free rides. Mm. Sort yeah, because pilots also... They like they own the airplane. They just they own the airplane. They, they live, live in it, it, right? And that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs them nothing mm-hmm. uh, because they get bestowed all the fuel that they need from the pilots. Well, plus they're guilt. just doing it for the love of it. So why why should we pay them anyway? It's know? true. It's yeah. just like artists they, and their families. They're gonna so get I mean, come yeah. plus they're gonna get a lot of exposure from flying the plane exactly. around and, plan, so. and flying <laughs> us in that plane in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think. Either a pilot or an astronaut, which an astronaut is kind of like a pilot, but they, they don't do a lot of steering. They just kind of like sit on a sit rocket. On a rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, hope for the best. And hope, and hope it works Yeah, if out. we're just looking for a brother to sort of do convenient things for us. Uh, pilot, sort of errands. Maybe like a chef. Chef would Chef's be good. good chef brother would be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, you know, this, this brother just exists to kind of meet our demands. Uh, <laughs> which really means we probably need an, an AI brother. Yeah, that we create. Now, that way, we can just add modules to it to make it. Now, I've got an Arduino mm-hmm. book coming, so I'm. I We're basically nine nine tenths. I by the. I assume by the time you get to the end of this book, you can essentially make a sentient sort of sibling, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Westworld sort of style. Yeah, three, yeah, just 3D print it. Yeah, so we'll have. We'll just do yet. that. Yeah, let's we'll do that. Then I can make. We can maybe make you know two or three more of them, even. Mm-hmm. So not not five. That would be that's too many. That's too many. Next question yeah. comes from Coffee Chemist. Hey guys, I've been doing two years of game dev through school and some more personally and have met somebody who'd like to make games as well. Cool. My question is, how do we go from student and game jam games to something that is complete and marketable? And what other considerations do you have to give? Mm, for a marketable game versus a student project? Polish. 
Yeah. Polish is basically the difference between those two things. Well, uh, and like polish, literally an enormous, enormous amount of polish, mm-hmm. content, and balance. Yeah, are the, really, are the three. really, actually, everything. Basically, well, everything. I mean, it just has to be I've better. Never, Student projects are prototypes. At yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that is true. Yes, yeah. As are uh, jam games. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's very rare that you can make a jam game that is just like good to go. And even even something like you know. We we always talk about oh like Roid Rage was a very quick project. It it had I think the original had like 19 hours of development, mm-hmm. and then with B Scott ID and some other polish we slapped on top, maybe another 30 or mm-hmm. something. Um, but it's not that good. No, <laughs> it is a, it is a tiny tiny game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean for what we put into it, it did it did okay. Yeah. I think the, the biggest consideration is when you're because when you're starting to make the jump, good. the reality is that. All of those other things that you actually haven't done yet, which is the important note, because if you've just made student projects or just yeah, a you haven't James, done anything that matters. Yeah, yet. you haven't done the actual the, the other 80 percent of the thing, mm-hmm. um, which is basically all of that polish work, all that playtesting, the marketing, everything else. And so I think the most important note to have is that even if you've made games that you thought were like really fun or maybe could be expanded during a game jam, do not under any circumstances make a large project for a first sort of attempt at a marketable thing. Because especially like if you're just coming out of the student zone and sort of the game jams and stuff, what you should do is make a, a really tightly scoped, but just very polished thing that allows you to, that gives you the time basically to not necessarily just be doing the game dev on it, but to do these other aspects. So do the play testing, try out the marketing and all this other stuff and try to learn how to get on the storefronts, try to learn how to get press and everything else. And you actually, you just need time. Yeah. But I, think, I think even outside of, of all sort of the external stuff, just actually finishing a highly high quality polished game project. Yeah. And it can be very small and it's perfectly reasonable. That almost nobody has done that. Yeah. So that's true. <laughs> yeah, so just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's hard. It's very hard. And it's very time consuming. And the, those last most important bits are the parts that, that make you want to stop. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a fun example. So last week we uh, were working on the power up stuff with level head. And so when you're playing as GR18, you can run and, and acquire these different power-ups for your character. And that's been true since the first week. Mm-hmm. However, it's also been boring as fuck since the first week because you just ran and jumped into him and, and then Seth just color-swapped GR18. Right. So you just, you touch the power-up, you're yellow now, nothing else happens. Mm-hmm. But it's like a blanket yellow, and so it kind of hits different parts of the character weird. And because also the character's eyes are aqua blue, mm-hmm. if we do the uh, red tinting, then your eyes disappear, yep. which is <laughs> very creepy. Yeah. So, so, uh, so last week we said, you know what? We need to make this actually fun. And this this exact moment when someone touches a power up should be a fun yeah. moment in and of itself. Because yeah, mechanically the power ups exist in the game, mm-hmm. but as an actual valid sort of finished polish fun maker, yeah, yeah, they just don't. And so it took, I think, about four and a half hours of. Both Seth and I collaborating, like making making little art pieces in my case, like two of them. I made two little tiny art pieces. And then Seth was over there sort of trying to get the timing of how this whole thing, how this whole little display of sort of power and, and cool transformation works. And yeah, it was like four and a half to six hours for this. It's a second. Yeah. It's one it's for second. One second. It's also for a part that you don't think is part of the game mm-hmm. because it's purely cosmetic. Yeah. It actually pauses the game while it happens. So, like, yeah. nothing can even happen mm-hmm. in the game. It actually during- draws attention to the fact that it's ruining your gameplay experience yeah. by pausing it, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, you want to stop real quick? Yeah. yeah. But Lewis. it turns out that it feels so good when that happens uh, that it adds this just enormous boost to the to the quality feel mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah. So, I think 
the the really really important part of of that sort of finishing a project is that polish piece. So if your character is jumping or getting a power up or whatever else, there's there's just a mountain of work that's still left to be done once you're even mechanically or even what appears to be visually complete with the project. Um, because you're it's very unlikely that you're you're polished complete. Yeah. So there's there's a fantastic TED Radio Hour uh, from this past week. So that's an NPR show that sort of they take a sort of a, a theme and they find us a, a suite of TED Talks that sort of all wrap around that theme. They merge them all together into a one hour podcast episode. And then they also interview the creators of those as well as authors and stuff like that. So this last week they talked about people's relationships to their work and sort of how people view the things that they create and how people are motivated to do the things that they do. They did this experiment where they had people follow a set of instructions to fold some kind of an origami. And uh, at the end, they said, now this isn't your origami that you made. This is ours because it's part of the experiment. But if you want to buy it from us, you know, we'll sell it back to you at, you know, whatever price, um, if you're willing to buy it. And some of those people bought the origami back, right? So then there was a second group where they, instead of having them fold the origami, the researchers just showed them a finished origami thing that was identical to the ones that the other people were folding. They just said, hey, would, would you be willing to pay for this? And if so, how much? So the people who folded their own origami were willing to pay five times more for it than the people who just saw it. Um, and when asked if they believed that other people would also be willing to pay that much, they almost unanimously said, yeah, totally. That's just how much mm -hmm. it's worth, right? So to, to take this effect to the next step, the researchers found an even uglier origami that was way harder to fold. So it's just like, just, you just hideous. Hideous, but requires way more work. Just way more work to get mm -hmm. it, to get it done. And they ran the experiment again with this hideous origami. And of course the people who were shown it were like, no, I don't want to buy that. Um, and the people who folded it themselves were wanting to pay even more for it. Mm -hmm. And they believed that other people would be willing to do the same. So this, I think is one of the things that you, that you see this effect over and over and over again. Um, with people who are, especially like who are kind of first getting started, where their attachment to their work largely comes from the amount their investment, their into investment it. into it, and they have a hard time detaching themselves from it. Because I, I think there's, this is true for artists, this is true for writers, this is true for everybody. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's a human psychological trait. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we felt that when we first made Towel Fight, and we were like, we spent three months on this thing, mm -hmm. and we're going to sell it for three fucking dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... Yeah. That's, feels feels that, bad. That hurts. And then, no, and then nobody bought it. And, and then like, nobody wow, bought it. And we were like, worse. wow, we, we overcharged. <laughs> uh, uh, and then even, you know, Crashlands, we spent, we spent two years of our lives yep. making it. And then we, we handed over for, for seven bucks, mm -hmm. 15 well, five bucks. at the time we sold it, was it. Five at the time we sold it, mm -hmm. you know? And then we put it on sale sometimes for $3 or $2. Mm -hmm. It's like, and people still complain about the price. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, we, we could drop two years of our lives into something. And for another person, it's worth, $2. uh, I guess like a third, of, it's worth 20 minutes at minimum wage, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the, yep. that's the value right. that we can create. <laughs> um, of course, once people have it, then they value it more and everything like that. Mm -hmm. but Which is just another psychological it's just phenomenon. Another, it's called the endowment effect. Mm -hmm. But, but I think this is something that is the hardest part because you'll, as a, as a student, as somebody who's first getting started, you will feel like your game is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not though. It's, you, you just got to, you, you have to find ways to evaluate it more honestly, mm -hmm. um, getting it into the hands of people who you trust, people who aren't your friends, mm -hmm. 
Um, doing any, any local play testing you can with community events and stuff like that. It's always really interesting. Yeah. And, and you'll, you'll also see people who are, who are first doing this do stuff like they'll talk their game up, you know, they'll, they'll give their game to somebody to play test it. And then they'll, they'll explain to the person how they should feel. Yeah, like, oh, this part's really cool. And, yeah. 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 Uh, and it just, it just ruins the whole thing. Yeah. And so I think this is, this is actually one of the hardest parts is finding ways to, to remove your emotions from mm-hmm. this evaluation process, to take your ego out of it. Cause nobody cares. Like nobody cares that you made it. Nobody cares that you spent two years working on it. It's hard to accept that that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. uh, once you can get past that, then I think you, you'll start to see it for what it really is. Well, you start, you start making better stuff because you're not uh, the feedback you get is, is both easier to take and you're able to actually see it usually before it comes. This is the good part where mm-hmm. you're, you're like, oh, I, I can tell where this is horribly broken, which is actually, I mean, a lot of the point we've gotten to now is, uh, I mean, with Crashlands, like most of what all of us see when we play it are the problems. Yeah. You yeah. If, if you hand your game to somebody and they surprise you with a criticism, that's a problem. Right. Yeah. Because you should have already, should know you should have already where the weak that. points are. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and that, that to me is a sign where if, if somebody talks about something about your game that they don't like, and if you are a surprised and be upset mm-hmm. uh, or C defensive or defensive, right. Then you're just doing it wrong yeah, because really what they believe is right. Yeah. Like that's cause they're the one who's consuming the game. Well, I right? think the better way to think, think about it is what they feel is correct. Uh, yeah. What they believe about whatever's happening is probably They, not they might be wrong about the reasons, yeah. but their feelings are real. And their experience is just what it is because you gave them that experience. Yeah. So, and so I think the thing is, as a, as a person who's done only jam projects or only school projects, you actually don't, you're not going to have a lot of exposure to that specific sort of development of that specific skill set. Though having a partner in crime is going to be- Helps what, a ton. Yeah, I think this is, this is mostly a problem for solo devs mm-hmm. because there aren't two eyeballs or, or, for, or for situations that are- very, very delineated where like someone's the designer and someone's right. the programmer or whatever. Uh, if things are very separate, then you're basically a solo dev again. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's where, that's where you don't get enough objectivity and enough eyeballs on the thing, even just within the development team. Cause I think, I think just doing it and having people look at it after you've spent, you know, six months on a thing and saying, what's, you know, what's wrong with this now? Right. Like that's, you waited too long. Yeah. You know, that's, that's yep. not, you were designing basically in a vacuum that was that you had no no legit objectivity inside mm-hmm. of, uh, and you, that that objectivity is a thing you just have to develop and nourish over these experiences of interacting with other people, and you can't just do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to have somebody else in there. Yeah, partners so, help a ton for yeah. keeping some good. So if you got a partner for this, then at the very beginning, just outline how important to each other explicitly the communication is going to be about whether things are good enough and what's required and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, but also acknowledge that you can't make a perfect thing. Yeah. And that's not the goal. Um, as Seth said, we, every time we play Crashlands, any of us, we just see like a thousand things that we wish were different. But we also know why every single one of those things is not mm-hmm. different. Because um, we had to make a judgment call about given the cost and the, more importantly, the further implications of mm-hmm. making these specific things different. Uh, should we? You know, because yeah. that's, that's Everything's a question of leverage. It's all a question of leverage. Should we? It's, you know, it's going to propagate in other things. And also it's just very costly to do that. Well, and, and you have to kind of recognize that that although, although like if somebody plays your game, their feelings are always true. Like you, they're mm-hmm. never wrong about how they feel. Cause that's just the way it's just what it is. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're always right about their suggestions. Right. I remember yeah. we handed, it also doesn't matter necessarily that, that they're right. Yeah. Right. Just because they don't like something and they're right to not like that thing. 
doesn't mean that you have to go change right. that because the out. game might not be for them, you know, whatever. But you you do need to acknowledge they're not going to be alone. Like no. some some people will yep. feel the same way this person feels. Yep. And we we had experiences like when we were working on Towel Fight, somebody we we placed it play tested with, and somebody told us this game needs flamethrowers. <laughs> and we were like, does it though? It's probably uh, a little you know, specific. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> but then I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's nuggets in there, which may speak to parts about the game that the, might be confusing. Basically people. they were probably thinking like, everything's a projectile. It'd be cool if there was something more different, just different. Yep. 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 Maybe this variability would be good. Yeah. Could that be. is a fact. Could it would be been nice. <laughs> yeah. right. So I think, I think it's one of those things you gotta, you Ask follow-up questions, that sort of thing, as opposed to being enraged or mask your rage with follow-up questions. It's always but not, not ones that sound like you're being defensive. Like you just got, it's really hard to not, not like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. So if, if somebody says, here's what I think is wrong with your game. The first thing you need to say is I agree. Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. Or even, or even just, if you don't no, agree. Or you just say interesting, you know, interesting. What, yeah. uh, like how did, you know, what, what about that is hitting you? Because things like usually if you poke people, they'll just start talking. And most people don't know what they're actually talking about until they get like a little bit into it. So yeah. you got to get them. You just, yeah. Get, yeah get them they're, they're expressing basically feelings based on this experience yes. they've just had. And they're had. trying to articulate. And they're trying to articulate it through a belief that they understand why they had those mm-hmm. feelings. But they actually don't know why they had right. those feelings. And so your job is to not be a dick about it Quizzle. so that you can together, you know, find that middle point where you figure out what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on. Yes. It's collaboration with your players. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. good, good luck, coffee chemist. Buckle up. Buckle up because it's gonna hurt. Yeah. And talk, I mean, yeah, and you, and you and your and your partner in this need to just start practicing like legit, honest critique of each other's stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a it's book very called, hard, takes a lot of effort, um, but at some point you just get to be like, I don't like this, and that person's like, that's fair, and then and then you just move on with your lives. But it takes literally, it took us years to years. get to the point where we can just do that, um, and even still, we have to be careful about it, you know, because you can't just well, yeah, not you just, like it. You thing. should just never be. You should just never be a dick to someone. It's yeah. sort of the general rule. On, yeah, e- on either side. Either, either, either side. Yeah. Giving the, the feedback or responding. Right. The but feedback. the problem is that people interpret people interpret critique as somebody being a dick to mm-hmm. them when that's not what it is by default. Right? Well, I mean, you correct. can be a dick about it. Right. You can but critique <laughs> itself. Right. Yeah, yeah. But critique itself is not mean. You can correct. be mean about how you deliver critique. But the problem is that we've all somehow been taught that critique itself it's because of school. Is bad I mean, this yeah. is the point to understand. It's literally because of school. Because there's yeah. always an F attached there's, to there's it. Because there's like value judgment attached to it. Yeah. Being wrong, like, is, being wrong is bad. Because you don't get a paperback and they're like, all right, you got like a D on this. But if you do these things, you'll probably actually get up to more like a B sort of level. Well, and also you get more, a paperback and they're like, yeah, you suck. You have no opportunity to improve. Well, this. but I, th- I think this is like, this is actually yeah, an important punished for it. This yeah, is an important note about the grading system at school is there's no way to actually recover. Yeah. Like if you, if you it's fail, a slippery slope yeah, downward. Yeah. And this, this is of course speaking to the, the way that the education system works where Primarily we, where US, we yeah. grew up, but, but the concept is like you earn, there's a certain number of points available for each assignment or test or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you miss, if you miss points, if you make mistakes, they are just irredeemably gone. Yep. So if you, if you have like two exams and that's where your grade comes from and you get an F on the first one, you're just, you're just that's it. Yep. You're done now. The best you can hope for it's is like a, like a C, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why, why do we, I think because actions have consequences, but they don't really, I mean, not those, <laughs> but I, think, I mean, it's, it's like most things, right? It's, it's all a very confused represent, like, you know, sort of chain lettered or it's more like telephoned, you know, sort mm-hmm. of end point from what might've started as a good idea. Right. Which is yeah. that what grades are supposed to, I think what grades are actually supposed to be measuring is how diligent you were in preparing to understand the material. 
Because I think the sort of the idea is that if everyone is equal, then if everybody puts in the work, then everybody can do the same thing, right? Yeah. So if you if you do worse than somebody else, that means you didn't put in the work, and there are consequences, permanent consequences to that, right? right. Well, I so, think that's kind of the idea. In practice, of course, it's not quite how things shake out. Yeah. What, happens, what happens in the real world is you fuck a thing up, and you're like, oh, I fucked that up. I better go fix it, and then you fix it. Yeah. Because this is something yeah. that is something that. Uh, but there are two kinds of fucking it up, though, right? There's the kind that people mostly do in school. Because this is my this is why I'm actually not against this in school. Mm. Because I honestly believe that the main fuck ups from school come from people just not putting in the work. Yeah, that's and, true. And and that like so but, now, like so I, I but no no yeah. but, but here's the thing if you if you say well you didn't put in the work for this midterm you, know, you have an F now. And now, no matter how hard you work from this point forward, oh, yeah, no, I, I, that's I, just, yeah. you're just screwed. Now. Yeah, I, I, so it's very. I agree. There should be ways to to recover, right? But I think the interpretation though is fair, which is that there should be consequences in that scenario where it's just because to me that's actually doing the wrong thing. But right? I don't think. But versus just fucking something up, that's a different thing. But I think I think there's they're similar because the the outcome is the same, and really what you want is for that person to make a change of some kind, either in their approach or in sort of their understanding. And sure. so, so like what, what Sam and I ended up doing for our, uh, our game dev course is your grade came from a midterm and a final mm-hmm. and we broke the midterm down by categories. So people were making a game for each, for each thing. And so like one of the grading categories was juice, you know, like how right. juicy is your game? And we, so the midterm had that category and so did the final. And if you got a zero on the midterm, we didn't tell the students this until after the fact mm-hmm. that this was how this was going to work. Um, but if you got a zero on your midterm in juice, but you figured it out and came to us and, you know, sort of learned how got it all worked your and, in the final. and did it and you got all the points on the final, then you recovered those points on the midterm. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. ratcheted your midterm grade back up to that same thing. Cause, cause your overall grade should reflect, do you understand the things that you need to understand in this course, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it depends on the purpose of school, right? Because if, if it's to teach of, people things, no, no, well, yeah, but it's but it's not necessarily right because the purpose right. of school, what in college, which is what you're talking about, yeah, is to teach people things, supposedly, right? The in purpose theory. of college uh, when we're young people is not actually to teach us jack shit; it's you to socialize school. us mm. so that we can handle being out amongst people in our the purpose of like high school, in our, or middle school. high school, yeah. middle school, that kind of yeah. stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, like it's sort of about education, right. But it's mostly about socialization. It doesn't have to, it, it, but those don't have to be mutually. No, exclusive. no, I'm, I'm yeah. not defending anything about yeah. how it actually does. That's work. just the way it currently is. That's just is. the way it currently is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but I also, I would also disagree about this, this idea that like that school in general doesn't have systems where they have like ratcheting or that you can fix past mistakes and so on. Cause I, I'm actually pretty sure that almost all the classes I've ever had included some sort of like extra, extra credit, credit so you can yeah. try to recover it's on from a teacher by teacher basis. Yeah, it's yeah. on a teacher by teacher yeah. basis. Um, but, yeah, but I, I think it is still, but I do think that this, this idea though, that there's that people in school, um, align together, not putting in the work and just fucking something up. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there's like yeah, right. being wrong and there's being wrong because it's your fault. Cause you did a bad thing, which is not right. put in the work. Right. It's like my garden. Right. <laughs> right. And I think to me, that's where the bad, this mm-hmm. is, this is where the bad part comes from because being wrong, because you just couldn't have known is not even fine. That's fucking great. Cause now you get to, somebody gets to point that out to you and you get to learn. And that's where the collaborative awesomeness comes from of you working with a partner. Um, being wrong because you just didn't do due diligence like that. Yeah. You, you can recover now. Like you shouldn't be punished forever for that. Right. But that was your fuck up. You got to own that yeah. now. Right. Uh, and that was something that you actually should feel a little bad about because that like, there was no, reason for that. And that's how you do better is by recognizing that you fucked it up, shouldn't have, and you just do better next time. 
Um, but when it comes to things that you just couldn't have known better, mm-hmm. it's completely absurd to see that as a negative thing where you attach value judgments and do all this stuff to, because there was no way around that. And it's an opportunity to learn. And it truly wasn't your fault. Like there's not a thing. You here's the thing. Do. If I made a, if I made an origami crane, let's say. Sure. And it was just, just hideous. Yeah. Even though I don't know how to fold, I don't know anything yeah, about what I'm doing. How could it have been better? How could it have been better? But still, it's pretty hideous. And I value it a lot. And someone's like, that's a, that is a fucking ugly crane. Yeah. I'm I mean, they should real. Be You've been banned from the origami association. <laughs> You're kicked out forever. Yeah, I'm going to feel bad about that. You know I mean? I think because it goes back to the, the the fact that like anything you make, you personally inflate the value of, right? Yeah. Like the value to you is huge. And so whether that's paper, whether it's a game, whether it's some origami crane, whatever well, else. You got to recognize that just because it's, and this is just universally true. And it's something you have to then practice. Yeah. It's just because something is valuable to you doesn't mean it's valuable to somebody else. And, that's okay. and so if you then take that crane to somebody else. And expect In the to, wrong context, right. right? If it's like, if it's your spouse and you're like, and you're pumped about the first thing you made and they get that, they know mm-hmm. what has just happened. Then yeah, they're going to be pumped for you too. They're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. Nice work. You know? Right. Uh, but if you take it to some rando and you're like, I want you to buy this from <laughs> for 10 fucking dollars. Be like, leave me <laughs> with your crane. With your hug, ugly, hideous crane. Because you, you, you've offended sensibilities now, right. you know. Um, you know context, reminds me of a, context one, one time I was walking down the street and a vendor tried to sell me a balloon. Like a, like a six foot wide balloon. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> what makes you think I need to? <laughs> you look like a man who needs a huge balloon. How dare you? <laughs> trying to make me part with my money for yeah, this giant was, balloon. I had one too where I was, I was wearing a watch and I was somewhere and somebody came with like a wall of watches. You know, they Did were they like, do the trench coat of watches thing? I think they, had, they, they had a case open. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I wish it was a, a trench coat. But they just, they just hey, like, opened this up. They were talking about how awesome all these watches were. And I was like, I'm, I'm wearing a watch. I don't need a watch. I'm do, everything is just fine, you know? And they, they were so insistent that, sure, I already had all my needs covered. But, but look, look at, these, at all these watches. That's the thing. It's like it a lot of people so who, aggravating. A lot of people who own one watch don't just own one watch. It's That's like, true. It's like the, the shoes equivalent. I mean, honestly, I do own two, but one of them is broken. Okay. So you basically own one. I own one and a half. You own one and then well, you own a broke, a, a piece of art. Yes. It's not a watch anymore. Correct. Yeah. It's watching nothing. Well, for me, for me the balloon situation <laughs> was, especially when I said no, and then the guy started trying to negotiate it where he's like, I'll give you half price. It's a really good deal. And I'm like- you don't understand. <laughs> I have no interest even in your balloons, you, even if man. You gave me ten dollars. I I wouldn't take it because I mm-hmm. don't want to carry this fucking balloon around, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's what you have to. That's what you have to acknowledge is actually like you have to think about the other person and what they need because. They might not need your balloon. They it might. Yeah. It, the thing that you're offering them might even be bad enough for them. That you couldn't even pay them mm-hmm. to to take it off your hands. Yeah. And that's okay. The balloon is not for that person. That you know? person. It might just be for you. Yeah. That's also fine. That's, that's just, fine. just don't try to sell it to me. You just mm-hmm. got to understand. I feel like uh, we, kinda, we got off on some, we, some metaphorical weirdness. So I hope this. that answers whatever the question was. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good luck. It may or may not. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch, and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, swag, or 
whatever else you clothing piercings, piercings. tattoos we got, we got neck piercings face piercings eye piercings jugular piercings jugular piercings. piercings everything any kind of piercings you'd need we got we got <laughs> we got some really good armpit piercings that kind of like they kind of span the whole they go in one armpit and out the other yeah. <laughs> right right through yeah. the torso. just a bar that's, yeah. my, that's my favorite one it's a little it takes a little while to recover from it you know? uncomfortable yeah and also it's a little bit uh, it's not very efficient because it's just a tiny stud that's visible <laughs> yeah. inside with a wire that goes in between with a bar that goes through your whole torso. Yeah. We couldn't figure out another way to do it though. But you, you know, know, piercing culture just is its own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not up it's yeah. not to yeah. us. Although to if, you have, if you have a pacemaker, please don't get that because uh, or the, a that wire interferes. If you have a lungs or a heart, yep. uh, it, you're also going to run into some yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you've only got one lung, we can probably like kind of wrap it back yep. there a little bit. And yeah, if you the got bar, like just half of your heart, like the front half. Mm-hmm. The bar contours. Yeah. It contours to the organs. Mm-hmm. As long as so, you don't have very many. As long as you don't have very many organs. Um, so we got those. Uh, <laughs> also, we have, oh yeah, that's at shop.bscatcher.net. I yeah. should probably Go say where that is. Buy things. Uh, also, you can send us something if you'd like. We have a mailbox, which you can find uh, the address for at mailbox.bscatch.net. We're, we're kind of we're kind of slowing down on the candy because we're aging. Yeah, and, and we're we're yeah, dying we, now. One of our one of our wonderful <laughs> one of our wonderful listeners sent us infinite M and M's yet again. And last week I started eating them, and I just felt like I was going to die. We can't. So, so we, we can't anymore. So send we're us maybe uh, maybe like a like beef jerky pack. You know, <laughs> we'll transition to that direction. Maybe a granola. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. that, yeah. that, a delightful granola. A, just a single grain, a mm-hmm. granola. Yeah, we got to watch our our figures. Yeah. yeah. So I will thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.